From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. So I'm excited to introduce you today to my friend, Romanita Hairston. She is a global thought leader, a change agent, a business strategist. She's a nationally recognized speaker, and perhaps most importantly, a lover of Jesus and a servant leader. She's worked 20 years at World Vision, um, becoming vice president of US operations, then joined the Murdoch Charitable Trust as a program director. And in 2018, she joined Microsoft, where she's now heading up a global team, which I'm gonna let her tell you about because I don't even know how to describe it. (laughs) So welcome, Romanita. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, great to have you with us today. I'm so thankful that you would take your time. I know you're, with all the above, you're a busy mom too. So can you just start out by telling us a little about you and your family and your job? Let people know who you are. Sure, happy to. And thanks so much for having me on your program. I appreciate it. I think the world of you. And so it's great to be together. And I am a Seattle transplant. I've been in Seattle over 30 years, but I'm originally from the South and came here with my family really um, because my mom wanted to give her kids a new life and um, create new opportunities that we would not have had um, in the South. Um, When I came here, I finished up college and high school um, here in the Northwest. And after finishing college, went on to the University of Washington, which is really where my faith grew. I came to faith as a very young person in the South and then really sort of cemented my lifelong commitment with Jesus um, during my college um, years and found my way into Christian ministry, um, which I spent about 25 years in a form of Christian ministry and then kind of had my own personal halftime moving over to the role that I'm in now um, at Microsoft working on global um, technical skilling, all the while um, really bringing along a family and raising three kids as a part of that process. And so it's been a cool journey with Jesus and it's been a journey with Jesus that I would not give back for any, any reason. So, Mm -hmm. and aren't you pursuing a PhD right now too? Um, I am through Regent um, University. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't know how you do it all. Your youngest is 14. 14 years old. Well, tell me what, what has been at the top of your mind lately? What have you been thinking? Lately, yeah, lately I've been thinking a lot about Advent, to be Uh honest, and actually in talking with you about the podcast and your gracious invitation for me to join, we've been talking about this for a while, and I've been saying, well, Lord, what would you want me to talk with Karen about? And uh-huh. literally, I have been adventing about this podcast. It's been like the literal life lesson for Advent, where the Lord has just been, wait for it, wait uh-huh. for it. And literally, uh-huh. um, as I've come into Advent and thinking about the time we're in in the world, you know, I consider us to be coming through what I call a triple pandemic. There's the health pandemic that we've had. There's been the social justice uh, pandemic that we've had. And then there's been a political pandemic of sorts, um, all with different durations and scopes. And it's caused me to think a lot about what it means to wait 
and what it means to prepare. So that's probably been the big thing that's top Hmm. of mind for me. Wow. That's so interesting. Just this morning, I was in my devotional time, I was thinking about the waiting period of between the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, and when Jesus came was 400 years, Mm -hmm. 400 years. And I was just wondering, gosh, people must have wondered, and God wasn't speaking. He was like Mm -hmm. silent. And I I was thinking a lot about that just this morning, what the waiting period that we're in right now. uh, And we get to wait in Advent Christmas season for Jesus, but that, what what was it like for those people waiting and waiting and 400 years of silence that yeah. really struck me this morning but so why is advent so important to you this year i think in part because of the place we find ourselves and particularly for me the place i find myself thinking about um, this triple pandemic i think when difficult things happen there is this tension that comes up between being prepared and being able to be responsive. And I think in the midst of difficult things, one of the places that I naturally go and maybe others naturally go is you wanna get prepared for what's next. You wanna feel prepared, you wanna feel ready. And I'm a believer in preparation. It's sort of uh, my thing, I I would say, but I've also been thinking a lot about the fact that there are things we can't be prepared for. We can only wait and then trust in the presence of God and of the power of the Holy Spirit to help us navigate. And so I've thought back through my life of all of the, you know, minor pandemics of my life, right? Mm -hmm. So not pandemics in the world, but the minor challenges in my life and maybe some of the major challenges that felt like my own personal pandemic. And one of the reflections that I've had is oftentimes I couldn't have anticipated what was going to happen in the same ways that it's been hard to anticipate what would happen this year, but I could be prepared by walking closely in relationship with the Lord and Uh being open to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And those are the things that allowed me to then not prepare for what was to come, kind of the surprise or the big event, but to be prepared for how to walk through it. That and I is think so in, good. Wow. Yeah. And so I think in this Advent season, I've really been thinking about, Lord, I don't want to become sort of positioning myself to think, oh, and I can get ready for whatever the next big thing is. I think sometimes prophetically we know that, but Lord, how am I walking through the transitions of life so that when things happen, I'm prepared to, one, personally be in a place of spiritual groundedness that I can respond as a minister of the gospel and as a public theologian, Um, And then two, how is it that I can grow through those things as opposed to sort of be tossed with the winds and the waves? Yeah. Um, That's kind of my big focus right now in terms of things I'm thinking about. So what helps you, what helps you keep that closeness to him? The one of the things that I have through my really formative years, probably starting in college, I think what first rooted me in my faith was the practice of the disciplines, the Mm. spiritual disciplines. And so, Mm. um, you know, I go back to the basics. I see the spiritual disciplines as the basics of faith. And then I think this real reality that the Holy Spirit is a present person that abides with me 
and trying to um, be aware and to take those moments of awareness to really not ask the question. And I think there was a big movement around this. And so I'm not knocking that movement. What would Jesus do? I sort of say, what would the Holy Spirit lead me to do? Mm. And, and Holy Spirit, I'm present to you. You're present to me. Um, what does it look like to navigate life in the world? And, you know, one of the things I've thought a lot about is with the rising numbers here, particularly in the U.S. of the COVID and what's happening with folks, I think we're going to have a real period of mourning post the holidays mm -hmm. with so many people in the hospital. And while I haven't had um, anyone in my immediate family at home who's been affected, I've had a couple of um, extended relatives to be affected. And I've tried to be mindful of what it looks like to go through Advent, waiting for the joyful sort of expectation of the celebration of the coming of Christ Emmanuel with us. And also of this reality of what most of the country is going to be going through in terms of um, some real serious period of periods of grieving as yes. the numbers yeah. rise in the Absolutely. reality of that. I think we've, I think we actually have already entered into that. I think we are in a global mm -hmm. time of grieving uh, yeah. over this pandemic and what you've, the other, I hadn't thought of them in terms of pandemics, but that, that is an interesting way to describe the, the political and the racial um, divides that we are facing. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. So for people that, um, that don't know the term spiritual disciplines, what, mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? What are those? Yeah, they are what you might call um, the historical or ancient practices of faith. Um, they're rhythms of life and things that we participate in that sort of reinforce and ground you um, in the living out of faith. And so um, some examples of that are prayer. Prayer um, is a discipline. Celebration is one that people don't often hmm. um, think about, which is a discipline of the faith. Um, Retreating to silence and solitude are disciplines. Um, and so when you, the way I like to think about it is analogous to how we build muscle. Um, you, you lift weights and you work out and you practice. And to some extent, the disciplines are the ways we work out and practice and live into our faith as a simple way to explain them. Um, and there's a um, great book just for anybody who's listening, um, Richard Foster, The Celebration of Disciplines, um, gives a great overview. And there's a workbook um, for anyone who wants to get more into practicing the disciplines and finding out which ones really help to grow them in their faith. Oh, that is a good description. Well, you use this term, um, practicing the power of presence. I've heard you mm -hmm. use that term. Could you share a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, I think that a part of the process of maturing in faith is about our ability to be present, which is which speaks to our level of awareness of ourselves, those around us, and the working of the Holy Spirit in the world. I think discernment, um, the ability to see as God sees and hear as God hears, um, is a process of maturing. And I think um, practicing the power of presence is about maturing in those places of our awareness and uh, our discernment. Because hmm. I think, it, um, who is it? I think it's Blake who has a famous quote, um, the vision of God you see is my vision's enemy, um, where he sort of talks about this notion of there are lots of ways that people can see um, and think about God and who 
God is and who Jesus is and what Jesus wanted to do. And sometimes the things people do in the name of faith, um, we don't always agree <laughs> that yeah. that's the right faithful right. practice or right. presence, right? Um, we can all agree that what people who aren't of faith do, we disagree with that, right? But there are subtleties in who we believe Christ to be, right? Was Christ a person who had a preferential option for the poor, right? Mm -hmm. um, was Christ humble? Um, was Christ also strong, right? And these ways that we see and understand um, Christ and how we are to live into the image of Christ is related to our vision. And so for me, practicing the power of presence is about not creating a dogmatic sense of who we're supposed to be as people of faith. Mm -hmm. It's about having a very present sense of who I'm supposed to be in this moment in my everyday actions that's powered by the Holy Spirit. I think there's actually a potential risk to us when we sort of set Christ in a box in the image as yeah. opposed to this living, breathing, everyday relationship that we have um, with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, where you know Christ is our visible model and anchor historic that we bring forward but the holy spirit really helps us to understand what does it mean to be christ-like in these very present moments of our life so what does that look like for you like when you are in for example a business meeting mm -hmm. how, how do you feel how to give us a real like how do you experience the holy spirit in those moments when you're thinking globally mm -hmm. in your meetings great yeah, great question. I mean, I think I'll start maybe with even my approach to to work. I think you can show up at work with the notion of what you want to achieve, what you want to do, how you want to excel, and what you mm -hmm. want to get accomplished. And certainly mm -hmm. um, over the course of my career, you need to do those things. But I think the other lens that practicing the power of presence brings to me is how do I serve? How do mm -hmm. I show up as a servant leader um, in yeah. everything that I do? And sometimes that's understanding, how do I create a space for the voices that are not heard? How in the context of work do I look for those who might be marginalized or who might mm -hmm. not have the power that they need to achieve what they wanna do? And sometimes it's just by practicing and letting the fruit of the spirit be present in the context of conversations, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of navigating work is helping to align on priorities and commitments with people. Mm -hmm. And I found that one of the best ways to do that and achieve win-wins is through the active work of the Holy Spirit, letting the mm. fruit of the Spirit show up in everything wow. that I do. And so those two things together, a servant leadership mindset, which is how do I really lead like Christ? And then how do I, am I present in letting the gifts of the Holy Spirit work? infusing those things in work, I have found leads to one joy in work for me, but also um, a positive experience of me with those that I work with. Boy, that's beautiful. What uh, You must be an incredible manager with that kind of wisdom in your everything that you do by just living into the Holy Spirit. You've got kids, you've got a 14 year old still. Are you able at this point in her life to help her understand what you're talking about here in practicing the power of the presence of, of the Holy Spirit moment by moment. She's a teenager. Do, do you have those discussions with her or is she able to do that? Is, is that something that just isn't going to happen until we get older? No, it's a, I mean, it's a great question. I would say, you know, I'd probably say a couple of things. One, I 
you know, you say that you must be an incredible manager. What's interesting is I think when you do that, my hope is just that I'm a good manager um, <laughs> in the midst of that. Like trying to do that actually probably makes the work of um, being a leader and manager to some extent, it adds a level of complexity to it, but it's a level of complexity that I welcome. Mm -hmm. um, and I am hoping that um, that with time, I am continuing to grow in my capabilities and my capacity to do that well. Mm -hmm. um, I've raised that because I think the same is true inside of family. You know, I really consider all three of my kids a gift. All three of them are here with us at home. And um, kind of when I think about who I am as a parent, there's a point where you move from really kind of driving all of um, what happens in the family to there's a conversation I have with my kids about, yeah, and I'm now moving into the coach role. And what I offer to you in your life is really what mm -hmm. you choose to want to receive and I try to do the same things at home that mm -hmm. I do when it comes to work as it relates to being a leader how am I a Christ-like servant leader and how am I letting the fruit of the Holy Spirit pour over we don't have the theological conversation but I would say the conversations that I do have with the kids are around who do you want to be and what do you want to reflect Mm -hmm. and what should be pouring out of us in the way that we engage. And I think always being willing to sort of kind of the way the scripture says to give the reason or the call for why I live the way I live. And mm -hmm. those are the kinds of conversations that we certainly um, have. I think into each of them, based on where they're at in their life, they understand the role that faith plays in shaping who we are as a family. So yeah, certainly yeah. I think they know that. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you one more question. I, I think the listeners have heard just an incredible amount from you today to process. And if you were going to suggest, give a suggestion of one step, perhaps, that, that they might take to enter into this concept of practicing the presence of God, do you have anything that you think might help them if, they, if that's new to someone? One, I, I do think um, the spiritual, figuring out the disciplines that help you to be rooted in your faith, I think that's one step that we should all take. The disciplines help us in the process of maturing. But the second, I think, is really deepening a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, I think as we think about um, Jesus um, as a living and historical figure, there's a lot we learn from the modeling of Christ, but the gift, the helper, that Jesus said he sent to us was the Holy Spirit. And I think we all have the ability to deepen our relationship with the Holy Spirit in the same way that we deepen our relationships with friends, family, and loved ones. And I think inviting that continued presence of the Holy Spirit and guidance of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. um, is an action that we should all take every day. How does somebody get closer to the Holy Spirit? This is an interesting one because I probably have a, um, I tend to think of, and this will say a lot about what happens in my head. I <laughs> truly think of um, the Godhead as in from the perspective of persons and in the same way that I get close to anybody, I uh -huh. talk to, I talk to God, so which yep. is, which is essentially right prayer, but I probably yeah. am like, Lord, you know, look, this is what's happening with me today. Yeah, and then I, I think it's because there isn't, yeah, because there isn't a tangible right? You know, God doesn't visibly appear, right? Like, um, 
in the midst of that conversation, but then I take the time to listen. Like I think in practicing any of the disciplines, this notion of listening, and I think there's lots of ways that God speaks. And um, one of the questions I've had lots of people ask me, I know we're coming um, a little bit to time here, is how do I know when God is speaking? And, And I often say to folks, when I, when you get a phone call from someone and they don't tell you who they are and they just say hi and all you hear is their voice, you recognize their voice because you've learned it. And I encourage people over time, you will start to know how God speaks to you by just listening, because that's the way we pick up the voice of every person that we're familiar with. And, you know, I've learned the ways that God speaks to me through nature, through um, experiences, um, just through the, the process of having experience. And I think the best thing we can all do is whether it's in the discipline of solitude and silence, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of fasting um, is to listen. Yeah, that's so good. That's a great yeah. analogy because yeah. he says, we know his voice. I just am overwhelmed by you and all that you do and who you are. And I'm just so grateful for your taking the time to share with us. I know you have a very full schedule and um, I just, God bless you and your family. And uh, thank you for these words of wisdom today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks so much for what you're doing with Take Root. Thanks. Okay. We'll see you soon, Romanita. Thank you for listening to the Take Root podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.